Three weeks ago, when I spoke about the killing of George Floyd, I said that racism is a type of dehumanization and that the solution to all forms of dehumanization is something called solidarity. Solidarity, I said, was defined as the deliberate decision to unify ourselves with the humanity and the experiences of other people. Today, I would like to go deeper into the theological underpinnings of this idea and why it is a particularly Christian idea. As with all things in Christianity, whatever we do, we do because God did it first. We love because God first loved us. We seek holiness because God himself is holy, and so forth. God always does these things infinitely better than we ever could, but we repay his infinite goodness by at least attempting to imitate his example. Well, the reason solidarity is a central and inescapable idea in Christianity is because one of the two most essential dogmas of our faith is that God took upon himself a human nature and became incarnate as Jesus Christ. God united himself perfectly to our humanity, which means that we, in imitation of his infinite act of solidarity, must strive to unite ourselves to the humanity of others. But solidarity also involves uniting ourselves to the experiences of other people. Not only did Jesus take upon himself our human nature, but Jesus also entered into all of the concrete experiences of a human life. Most powerfully, Jesus chose to suffer and to die. Two human experiences that only come because of the corruption of sin, and which, therefore, Jesus could have chosen to avoid since he was without sin. But no, the Lord decided to unite himself even to the worst parts of being human by suffering and dying on the cross. Again, we see here God modeling solidarity infinitely and perfectly. In response, we Christians must at least try to imitate his example, try to unite ourselves to the struggles and the sufferings of our fellow human beings, either by walking side by side with humans who are suffering, or, at minimum, listening to their experiences of that suffering. Solidarity, though, goes even deeper still in our Christian faith. The Lord willed that solidarity should also be the way in which we are saved. Look at our second reading, wherein St. Paul says, Are you unaware that we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were indeed buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might live in newness of life. As Catholics, we do not believe that we are saved by imitating Christ's virtues. That is a heresy called Pelagianism. 
Instead, we believe that we are saved by the action of Christ himself, by his death and resurrection, and that we unite ourselves to his death and resurrection through the sacrament of baptism. Not abstractly, not mentally, but actually, through a sacramental action. Yes, we spend the rest of our lives living in response to our baptism, which does involve imitating the virtues of Christ. But it is foundationally in the action of baptism itself, in this physical joining to the resurrection, that we are promised victory over death and participation in eternal life. It is through solidarity with Jesus, through uniting ourselves to his humanity and his experiences, that we are saved. Our gospel today also teaches us about solidarity, but in a very different way. In our gospel, we hear Jesus say that, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. These are some extremely strong statements from the Lord, statements that make any family-oriented person very uncomfortable. In a sense, what Jesus is saying here is that our identities can be a barrier to solidarity. Think about race, for example. Even though we may be white or black or Asian or Latino, if our first identity is our race or ethnicity, then we will struggle to unite ourselves to the common humanity of someone who is a different race. If our first identity is a nationality, like American or Mexican, we will struggle to unite ourselves to the experiences of those who were born elsewhere. It's for this reason, for example, that we struggle so much with the questions of immigrants and refugees, because it's hard for us to unite ourselves to their experiences. The same is true with Jesus. If we identify first with something other than Jesus, like, for example, our family, then it will be very hard to unite ourselves completely to the Lord. Partially, sure, but never completely. And this is a problem because our salvation comes from solidarity with Jesus. If we let anything get in the way of our primary identity as a follower of Jesus, then we put our salvation in jeopardy. If we identify as anything before we identify as Christian, the resurrection we were promised at baptism cannot come to fruition in our lives. Notice also the last line from the section of the gospel I quoted. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Like it or not, perfect solidarity with Jesus means perfect solidarity with his cross. If we flee from the cross, if we identify more with our comfort than with our crucified Lord, we cannot be assured of our salvation. 
Now, some might say that having our Christianity as our primary identity impedes the humanizing solidarity that I have been talking about in this and previous homilies. How, for example, can I unite myself to the humanity and the experiences of a Muslim if I identify first as a Christian? Shouldn't I identify first as a human and second as a Christian? An excellent point. Follows the logic of my homily. But no. What Jesus is telling us is that we will be better at entering into solidarity with our fellow humans if we follow Jesus first. Why? Because generic humanity, in its corrupted and fallen state, does not naturally seek out solidarity. We naturally divide into tribes. It is impossible, as a generic human being, to overcome our biases and truly unite ourselves to those who are radically different than us. But Jesus, you'll remember, showed us perfect and infinite acts of solidarity through his incarnation, passion, and death. If we unite ourselves to Jesus first, we become far more capable of uniting ourselves to our fellow human beings because we do so through Jesus. Solidarity through Jesus is perfect solidarity. Solidarity apart from Jesus will always be imperfect. This is the second half of the gospel, about receiving prophets and righteous men and giving cups of water. How or why are we able to do this? Because once we unite ourselves perfectly to Jesus, we're able to do this because once we unite ourselves perfectly to Jesus, we can finally see other people as Jesus sees them. We can recognize the prophets and we can recognize the righteous because we begin to see humanity through Jesus' eyes. In our solidarity with Jesus, we become capable of seeing the world through his own lens of perfect solidarity with humanity. My brothers and sisters in Christ, in another place, the Lord tells us that no servant is greater than his master. And this is obviously true. We can never be perfect, exactly as perfect as Jesus was. But following the right master at least allows us to imitate him. Even though we can never show in our own lives the perfect and infinite solidarity with humanity that Jesus displayed in the manger and on the cross, we can unite ourselves to Jesus through baptism and spend the rest of our lives living out his own unity with humanity, seeing the world through his eyes, and treating our fellow human beings as he himself would treat them.